You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 118, Matt, of the Plane Talking <laughs> UK really podcast. Yeah. I know. Welcome, everyone, to the show, and uh, it is, we'll do a quick date check before we start, the 25th of June, the time is just coming up to 10 past 10, only 10 minutes we're late this almost, week. Almost, we're seven minutes past, eight, eight minutes past, we're only eight minutes late oh, eight this minutes morning, this is, this is unheard of. It's yes. amazing, we're not, we're not hardly at all late at all this no, week. No, indeed, so, um, and, and it, it, it's fair to say that we woke up this morning to a slightly different United Kingdom, we I did. feel. Yes. Um, not maybe not so united as it once was. I don't really know what what to say. It's, no, uh, I think we have some scary times ahead. Yeah, I um, think we do. Yeah, we 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 are gonna. We've got a little story in the news segment about the uh, the. Um, we'll give it a name check. Brexit. Brexit. Ooh, very, ooh, um, oh, how very on message. But as yeah. it's been, as everyone knows, it's been in the news so much for the last couple of days that we're not going to sit here and chat politics for an hour and a half. Really? Has, it been, has it been in the news? Oh, I that seem to have missed it. Tears. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, as, as, as it, it, actually, it's kind of like football for me, oh, this whole thing. Really? It's just incredibly boring. <laughs> well, you need, to, you need to listen to the stories because it's very, very yeah. important. But we have got some fantastic stories to bring you this week, Which some good. quite amusing Excellent. ones. And, uh, but we've also got brought back uh, to uh, to give us a hand this morning uh, one of our returning to, to help us muddle through all the the, the, uh, the the fog and the, the unpleasantness and that uh, is, he's yes. someone who gave me a hand uh, earlier on in the in the year when Matt was um, stuck in, in oh, London you're not going to let that go are you I know. ever no no, no we, and, he, and he came on the <laughs> show stuck and, on a and train. helped me on, yes, on that he did. evening absolutely so uh, welcome and good morning to Nev Yes, morning, gents. Hope you're both well. And uh, yeah, just returned from my holiday, so trying to get back into the oh, swing holiday. of things uh, and trying to get back to used to the uh, the temperatures here as well, which are pretty different from where I was. But, uh, so, yeah. what what was the temperature where you were? Uh, about twenty nine or thirty degrees oh, in Croatia, <laughs> and uh, as uh, as I left, it went up to about thirty three degrees. Um, so we're very fortunate with the weather. And, uh, oh, yeah. um, it wasn't too hot when we were there. It was just nice, actually. Yeah. It, is, it is definitely... I, I, say, I say this every time, though, isn't it? It is a different heat, isn't it? Somehow, if you get to anywhere near that, and you very, very rarely get anywhere near those kind of temperatures here, but you get sort of like... Quite often get 25, 26, don't we? So for the benefit of those in the chat room, anyway, Nev, uh, who, who, don't, who don't know where you've been, whereabouts in the, in the wonderful uh, EU have you been? Uh, to the city of Dubrovnik. Uh, in Croatia, uh, that's the former Yugoslavia, and it's uh, we were staying just about five miles south of it at the lovely Radisson Blue oh. uh, Resort, and uh, it was just the job actually. It wasn't too busy, P- perfect really, and uh, wow, fantastic hotel internet outside as well, uh, better than I've got at home here. Really, so, uh, really, I had no choice but to take the uh, the MacBook Air with me and the headphones so I could listen to uh, last week's. Uh, PTUK show. Oh, uh, good. Oh, he's so, very good. Oh, he's yeah. very on message. Well done. Uh, <laughs> checks, checks in the post now. Yeah, checks absolutely. in the post. Yeah. So, um, so, 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 um, so, was this business or pleasure, sir? No pleasure. Uh, I had been on been on business there about three or four years ago, and mm. uh, I liked it so much. I thought we'd go back. So we just took a flight out there from Gatwick. Uh, currently, my least favourite airport. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. um, there we are. Um, and and but, a certain, uh, certain co-host has got that to I'm look flying from there tomorrow, tomorrow yes, morning. Yes, can't wait. Yes. <laughs> so, Matt, dare I ask, and uh, dare I ask, um, um, what airline did you fly, and how was your flight, and what aircraft did you travel on? 
It's British Airways, as you might have expected, and it was an A320-200, and okay. uh, in the uh, in the posh seats as well, I sort of spent some Avios points, so we were in the business class uh, both ways, and uh, the food was very nice there. Uh, they've uh, Because British Airways is moving from the north terminal to the south terminal at Gatwick, um, there's no lounge at the moment, so we had to use the other lounge, so we had to slum it with the rest of them. But I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mind too much. Uh, we stayed the night before because it was a, a 6.50 flight, so we stayed at the Premier Inn uh, down at Gatwick the previous night. But uh, yeah, very nice flying conditions yeah. and uh, beautiful uh, scenery as well as you come into Dubrovnik, uh, landing on runway... Uh, 12, I think it is, coming in and then departing on the opposite uh, direction at runway 30. And uh, really, really nice uh, flying conditions, uh, perfectly smooth and uh, beautiful sunshine as well. So wow. very, very nice. It, well, I think it was 1986 when I was last in Dubrovnik and in Yugoslavia. I've been back a couple of times. I think it was 86 and 80, 87, I think we went back two years, but mm. it was a long while ago. But as a child, but I remember what a fantastic place Dubrovnik was. Absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed wow. it. Mm. Actually, that, that that was that was when when I flew when we flew there. That was with uh, an airline which I think are still in service now. It was Aviogenics, which is like a, um, I think it was a Yugoslav airline, and that was on the TU one three four A. If you uh, if you've seen or heard of the TU one three four A, and that was one of the X. Uh, Russian sort of converted bombers still had the glass, um, the uh, glass sort of nose on them where the, um, I think it was a bomber used to sit, um, or the actual sights used to sit. Uh, but there, that was quite a few years ago. But no, fantastic place, Nev. I'm uh, glad, you, uh, glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, thank you. So we've got loads of news to get through this week. Uh, we haven't got a segment from Pip quite yet, but he is sending one in now, isn't he? So we're going to edit that into. So why would the you show. mention it then? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Honestly, you've got no idea, have you? <laughs> so start that bit again and just say we've got a segment uh, from Pip that's coming. No, you've got to do it right, properly. Okay. If I've got to edit it, then I might as well do it. No, come on, it's my job. <laughs> so we've got a segment from Pip coming up later on mm -hmm. in the show, which will be great. And I uh, don't know what the segment's going to be on yet because I haven't had a chance to listen to no. it yet. But uh, we've got a segment from Pip. We've got uh, probably a bit on of Brexit. Brexit news. Get, probably get, Brexit. Yeah, yeah, knowing, given given what he was Pip, talking about Brexit. in the chat room earlier, it's going to have something to do with that. I'm quite sure. But, uh, uh, and as I said, we've got Nev to join us. He's going to join yep. us with the news bits and pieces. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and then and then I'm going to close the show. We're going to close the show, and I've got to go and pack my suitcase. Yeah, somebody's off to Holland on holiday to Malta. Anyway, here we go. Let's uh, let's start off show then, as we do each week with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I am. Yeah. And if you're ready, Nev. Yep, ready here. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then on the Flight Global site this week. And uh, it's the Egypt Air A320 recorders undergoing circuitry tests. Uh, investigators are cleaning and testing the circuit boards of the crashed Egypt Airbus A320's flight recorders ahead of uh, attempting to extract their data. Both the cockpit voice and flight data recorder were retrieved from the wreckage of flight MS804 about a month after the jet came down in the Mediterranean Sea on the 19th of May. The Egyptian Civil uh, Aviation Ministry said it's carrying out inspection and removal of salt accumulation on more than 200 electrical paths. Wow. 
to ensure the circuitry is functional so that accurate data can be downloaded. French and US investigators are overseeing the process and the ministry says the work to map the crash site and distribution of wreckage is continuing with a view to retrieving debris at a later stage. Right. So just concentrating on on the actual data recorder, I suppose, first. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, the... Uh, you know the pressure that these um, these data recorders must have been under when they you know when the event happened because mm. you know the, these recorders are made to withstand quite a, yeah. a hefty uh, fire and uh, and crash as well. But uh, obviously the, the water's got into these uh, right. recorders and the, yeah. obviously salt water is not great when it comes to not electronics. Good for anything, really, is it? <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on this, Nev? Any? Yeah, the, uh, obviously these um, these uh, flight recorders, the CVR and the flight data recorders are, are made to extremely high, you know, military standards. Mm. So uh, mm. it's very unusual not to be able to recover some data, isn't it? So uh, I fully expect they will get something out of it, uh, whether they'll get yeah. the full story or not. I don't know. Yeah. Well, as long as they get, I mean, frankly, as long as they get enough information to give us some answers, I think that's all that really matters, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Matty Fab in the chat has put, isn't it time with the technology we have these days that we redesign the black boxes to withstand big bigger impacts and pressures, etc. Well, I yeah, think in their defence, perhaps they had already done that. But, I mean, until you, you're in a situation uh, and you're in an environment that, that, you know, you can't test for all eventualities. Mm. I mean, I was under the impression that, uh, and please somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I was under the impression that this equipment had was already sort of pretty... They, there you they know, are bulletproof it, you know i mean i think the actual memory the actual data storage parts of the uh, black box i think neville will probably back me up on this if, if he knows that the uh, data part they are i think they're surrounded by a, a kind of casing of something like a, a um a very high impact casing like mm. a resin casing of some description right. neville Yes, they are, and uh, I think when they um, when they retrieve the data from them, I, I've, quite often I've seen them put them in uh, sort of a, a special solution or, or kind of some sort of water uh, to to try and preserve the data that's that's there. Right. Um, but uh, there's um, if they can't manage to do it properly there, um, I don't know what the sort of international protocol is for all this sort of stuff, but it might even. Uh, be sent over to the AAIB at Farnborough. Possibly. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they get on with that. Hmm. So, moved, well, if we're going to obviously look to see what, what they find from. But I think yeah. this is going to this is going to be a few uh, few more weeks at least yeah. until that they release yeah. any findings at all onto in, onto oh, the news. Say, I mean, at the end of the day, we just need answers, don't we? That's what we need. And as long yeah. as they can get retrieve enough information so that we have all the answers, we but need, a good then source. We're a good source for any info on that is obviously, as we always say, and um, and Jeff always talks about them as a lot as well on APG, is the Aviation Herald website. Right. Simon's great site over there um, always comes up with updates uh, regularly on anything that happens around the world. So cool. um, that's probably a yeah. good good place yeah. to look for. Book, to book find mark updates. said page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the next story. Yes, and indeed. Next for a story. change. It's not a Ryanair story. Oh, my goodness me, what's happened? The world is upside down, it's inside out, what's occurring? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the good news is, uh, really? The good news is it's the Daily Mail, which means it must be true immediately. Uh, and uh, so it's the mail online, dailymail.co.uk. And uh, I can't see the headline. The, head, the, the Tinder for airports uh, butterfly app helps you find love with other lonely travellers at the terminal. 
are isn't that nice there are only so many ways that you uh, there are only so many things that you can do at the airport that could be about to change with a new app called butterfly well i'm pronouncing it butterfly but it's it's spelt b-t-r-f-l-y that offers air travelers the opportunity to connect in real life with like-minded people Users log into the app with their flight details or, or airport and are shown a list of other users who are in the same airport or even on the same flight. Um, right. Uh, Butterfly also <laughs> gives information on where other users are flying to and what time to ensure that you, you, that you have enough information and enough time before they jet off. The app's description says whether you're a business traveller en route to a conference or a music fan headed to a festival looking to make new friends before the event and maybe even share a, a cab from the airport. Butterfly brings travellers together whilst the Tinder for Airports app claims to be aimed at business people or people who just want to make friends. It could lead to romantic meetups and become more of a dating app. However, Butterfly may face some competition from other dating apps like Tinder and Happen, who already have similar functions where you can find users in the same area as you. It brings a whole new uh, meaning to the word Did you mile like that high story? club, really, doesn't it? Did you know, uh, when, I, when, I saw this, when I initially saw this story, I thought, really? What a brilliant idea. Really? Well, <laughs> well dating apps. I was, a, are, I was a little bit concerned it was aimed at me because, you know, Mr. Lonely Heart's over no, here. No, 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 no. Just, no. <laughs> just trying to tell me something. Well, it's a technology thing. I thought that was why right. I picked a few. Okay. But anyway, it, it, yes. it, there are all manner of apps out it's there. It's interesting but, yeah. to see, the, you know, because <laughs> there are a lot of people who travel to airports, obviously, on a daily basis. And, yes. you know, if you're, if there's, if you're if you're bored mm. and you're single, right, and you know there's like-minded people there with right. you, it's okay. nice to chat and talk to people rather than sit there with your mobile phone in front of your face on Facebook and Twitter. And it's stuff. an app. Yeah, I know. It's an app for your mobile phone, but so you... you're going to sit there <laughs> in the airport with. You. But then, but then, no, but then if oh, someone's Carlos, at the airport. What a you delightfully can... innocent world you live in. But you can uh, meet <laughs> these people at the airport, Matt, and yes. chat to them right. okay. and have discussions yes. with and, them. And in your world, that seems very exciting. Really, yeah. really, what there should be, what there should be, is an app for av geeks. So when you're at an airport and you've checked in and you're in the departure lounge, you can go on an app and you can find like-minded av geeks who are at the airport also waiting to go on holiday that you can connect with and talk aviation. Now, that would be a good app, right. don't you think, Nev? Okay. Come on. Do you know what? I just, I just can't think of anything more horrific. And Agreed. As I Agreed. am on the technical side of things, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's just going to... Oh, it's going to be so difficult. I can just it? think of so many things that could go wrong. I just, I've just got so many horror stories about, you know, as I say, Mile High Club and all this. Kind of, and it's just, just no, just no. Okay. <laughs> well, well, apparently, Cap Captain Al, uh, Captain Al says I think I should test it out at Gatwick tomorrow. I, right. I, I, okay. I may well do, but I, I don't think Gemma's going to be impressed. Yes, there, there may be some minor, minor, minor technical issues, issues to do with that. Yes, there yeah. could be. Mind you, on the plus side, you won't have to worry about you know when you do the show. You'll have an entire week to do the show when you like, because she'll go and do something else. Uh, no. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll move swiftly anyway, on from that story on to the next story, bombshell, which yeah. is all for you, Neville. Yeah, this is from the Breaking Travel News website, and uh, it's about Emirates who are releasing a 360-degree video of the Airbus A380 cockpit. And it says that Emirates has released the world's first 360 video tour of the A380 cockpit. 
Watch Captain Thomas Cizano from New Zealand and First Officer, I'm not even going to attempt that name, Good call. Uh, <laughs> from the United Arab Emirates, give an immersive 360 view tour of the flight deck controls of an Emirates A380, the world's largest commercial aircraft. In another milestone for the Emirates A380 fleet, the airline will be taking delivery of its 80th A380 today. That's incredible, isn't it? This will be followed by the launch of a daily A380 service to Vienna, Emirates' 41st A380 destination, which starts on July the 1st. And they've got a further 62 uh, A380s pending delivery, of which 21 will be joining the fleet this year. Emirates operate one of the youngest fleets in the industry, with an average age of 5.6 years. And over 4,000 pilots from nearly 100 nationalities uh, fly the Emirates fleet of the of 250 all-wide-body aircraft that serve 155 destinations across 81 countries. They've got over 1,400 pilots on its A380 fleet and more than 2,500 pilots on the 777. The airline is hiring over 700 pilots in 2016 to operate its expanding fleet and will be holding multiple multiple recruitment events over the globe, uh, sorry, events across the globe to support pilot recruitment. And uh, there's a bit of a demo of mm. the 360 video, which I did have a play with earlier on, actually, uh, and I couldn't get it to work either <laughs> on my Mac or my <laughs> iPad or the iPhone. But I'm sure uh, if you put it as a link in the show notes, mm. someone would be able yeah. to get it to work. It, it, it's a very interesting uh, bit of video, actually. I, although I could play the video, I couldn't actually, uh, you know, uh, navigate move it, move it around. around. Yeah, yeah. We, we were get, we were going to give it give it a go, but um, as I say, we did it once. We got we got uh, YouTube Kicked told off us off, YouTube, so. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so the, these it, videos. Is, it is breakingtravelnews.com, and as I say, if you search for the headline, um, which was uh, where are we? It says Emirates releases 360 video of Airbus A380. You'll soon find it. It's easy enough to find. But these, these 360 videos are getting ever more popular now on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I've, I've seen quite a few well, he, of the he's display the one, teams. He's uh, the one um, pioneering the technology. Mm. Um, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg is, is the one that sort of uh, is it Oculus he bought someone like that, wasn't it? Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they're the ones that sort of come up with it. I mean, it's a brilliant system. It's a brilliant system. Unfortunately, the cameras are really expensive. So, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be a long time before we get one of those cameras here in this studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could, we could get all five of our webcams and kind of... We could more or less do it. Yeah, yeah, tape them together so. or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, next story moving on is on, again, the breaking travel news site. And uh, it's a story. I think Pip um, sent this through earlier this oh, week. Oh, did he? To us, yeah. uh, low-cost carrier POP. That's P-O-P. <laughs> seeks to connect UK to India. POP, the new low-cost long-haul airline, in the uh, making plans to operate non-stop flights from the UK to Amistar and Ahmedabad uh, in India. <laughs> Sorry if I pronounced those wrong. Currently, flights between the UK and India are predominantly between London Heathrow and just two main destinations, Mumbai and Delhi, and three supporting ones, Bangalore, Chennai and Hyderabad. Uh, there are also a number of indirect UK to India routes through the Middle East. Uh, this ignores the important secondary cities of India uh, that would undoubtedly benefit from point-to-point -point flights from the UK. Uh, there's a growing demand for such route driven uh, by India's increasing popularity and prosperity and rapid urbanisation and industrial development and not least by the growing aspirations of its population. 
Uh, POP aims to provide an enhanced value airline, combining a number of factors including highly competitive rates, fares, uh, self-selected onboard and ground services, and convenient non-stop flights. Additionally, POP's unique business model will put uh, people over profit by donating 51% of its profits to charities wow. in the communities it serves. Uh, Nino Singe, judge chairman of POP, commented, POP is different. It's going to be a UK airline whose um, DNA is Indian. The Punjabi and uh, Gujarati communities in both the UK and India historically have had strong family and business connections, and that desire for both communities to keep in touch and visit each other has not abated over the years. Uh, add to that India's booming economy and the rise to, of the middle classes, including expansion in their numbers and the larger disposable income and their increasing spending power and their insatiable desire to travel, all means that there are vast numbers of potential passengers waiting for an airline like POP to offer the opportunity to fly. Combine the fact that passengers are contributing the improvement of their own society in both the UK and India, perhaps even helping a village or an individual known to them personally, means there's an ex excellent chance for POP's two proposed routes to Amistar and Ahmedabad to uh, bring a great success. It's hoped that the first POP flight will take over later this year. And uh, there's a little picture there of their, of their kind of uh, poster campaign that they're going to put out there, which uh, shows the POP with the picture of the UK, you can see the top left there, uh, with direct routes uh, to them two destinations. Will, in will India. they want to change this now, given what's um, occurred? Um, sort of I don't like know. The last it's, couple it's, of days, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's a tough one to call, but yeah. um, I think uh, for for a lot of the people that, uh, you know who wish to, because India is one of those quite uh, you know interesting places that a lot of people I know oh, have been is, to yeah. on holiday, mm. and they thoroughly enjoy it, and for to have a direct flight there. With a with Got a kind of low a low cost yeah. as such uh, mm. long haul airline, I think it's quite it's going to be quite good. Have you heard Have you heard of Pop, um, Nev? No, but uh, I may be going to India in the next uh, couple of months for work. Uh, oh, cool. We might be doing some work over there, so that might I don't know if, uh, if they're going to be running it at that stage. But uh, certainly, looking at some of the uh, uh, more traditional airlines uh, fares, mm. they are pretty high. So, oh, really? uh, yeah. So any yeah. alternative will be appreciated, no doubt. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So next story. Moving yeah, on. Next story. Uh, this uh, is another fun one for you, Matt. Uh, right. Okay. So this is uh, the uh, the uh, is more because I'm nervous. I, it's just, <laughs> so I've had a bit, bit of a busy week, unfortunately. So I haven't had a chance to uh, pre proofread the stories. Uh, City News is the website. Citynews.ca. Is that Canada? Yeah, I think it is Canada. Yeah, it's Pearson. Yeah, it's Pearson Airport. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so luggage crashes through ceiling at Pearson Airport. Um, I'm just going to pop that picture up before I start reading the uh, the uh, the story there. It's um, made a bit of a mess of the departure. It's rather unfortunate, doesn't it? Absolutely. Especially if he's standing there when the luggage fell through. Well, indeed, exactly. So lost luggage is a relatively common problem at Pearson International Airport, and I dare say, to be fair, it's probably quite common at most airports. But it's not every day that suitcases rain down from the ceiling. That's what happened Thursday morning in Terminal 3's baggage hall. Thankfully, no injuries have been reported, but photos from social media show the extent of the damage with large chunks of the ceiling falling to the floor. Greater Toronto Airport's Authority spokesperson Erin Kennedy says that the two suitcases crashed through the ceiling. The area has been taken out of service while a structural assessment takes place. 
Um, Kennedy says that no one was uh, in the immediate area when the bags crashed through the ground at around about 11 a.m. Sounds like more luck than judgment, sadly. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much uh, all there is to that story. Um, but not the sort of thing you want to happen, really, when you're... Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit random. It's, um, well, bit, of, uh, bit of paperwork for them to fill out? Yes, absolutely. Got to love a bit of admin, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's <laughs> going to spit their dummy out over that, no doubt. I just yeah. hope they're soft bags, not those hard cases that Look, uh, look that pretty have. firm. Look yeah. pretty firm, it has to be said. <laughs> it would be quite painful to have one of them land on your head. Indeed. Especially yeah. if someone's had a good day at the duty-free before they fly the duty home free. or something. All about the duty-free. I know. Honestly. So next story <laughs> is all for you, Nev. Yeah, this is from the chaviation.com website. And uh, it's all about uh, Russia's uh, Airbridge Cargo, who are set to order 10 Boeing 747-800 series freighters. Uh, and they're reported to close to finalising a deal with Boeing uh, for 10 of these machines, the Bloomberg uh, website has reported. Uh, the order, which could be announced at the upcoming Farnborough Air Show, uh, builds on a year-old commitment from parent company Volga Dnepr uh, Airlines to acquire 20 of the type back in June of last year. And they now operate nine uh, 747-400s. Uh, freighter versions, eight 747-800 freighter versions, and two freighter 737-400 versions, which are leased from uh, ATRAN. And uh, they have a total of 19 aircraft in their fleet with 36 destinations, 91 routes, and 38 daily flights. So that's quite a substantial cargo operation now, isn't it, with those uh, extra aircraft on order? Mm-hmm. It's good news for Boeing as well because the, uh, the the Dash Eight has has not been a popular one for uh, passenger uh, carriers. Has it not? No, because um, the Dash Eight is kind of the it's the late the very latest seven four seven, Matt, and um, you know it's it's re-engined and, and it's um, it's all sort of nice and fresh and yeah. new. It's the same it's, uh, same aircraft essentially as the four hundred series, but mm. I think it's slightly stretched. Um, but it, it just hasn't done as well in the in the commercial side as it has right. done in the freighter in the side. Freight side yeah. But it's good to see that at least you know Airbridge are going to uh, have got their order in here for some more of these Dash Eight, you know, the seven four seven Dash Eights as cargo aircraft. Yeah. So at least Boeing have got, um, you know, they can still keep producing these um, on the line over across the pond there. Mm. So next news story. Mm. Is <laughs> I just, it's got the word Russia in it. I just get a bit nervous. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. <laughs> EU and all that. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, that's right, yes. So the next story Not on, for much longer. on <laughs> the uh, CH Aviation <laughs> site. And uh, the headline, uh, La Compagnie to offer all-you-can-fly TATL ticket. Uh, La Compagnie uh, in uh, Paris Le Bourget has unveiled... Beautiful pronunciation. Uh, very good. Very I got good. a G in French. Thank Did you? you. <laughs> Excellent. That was well spent. Has, <laughs> uh, has unveiled an all-you-can-fly ticket which offers its holder to an unlimited number of transatlantic flights for a flat fee of £25,000 or $35,000 or that converts into... <clears throat> 30,000 euros, probably not now. Right. The ticket which own, of, of which only 10 will be offered to the market on a first-come, first-served basis will be made available from July the 18th to the 23rd this year. Once purchased, the ticket will be valid until December the 15th, 2017. Wow. La Compagnia operates all premium configured 757-200s on regular flights from London, Luton, and Paris, Charles de Gaulle to Newark. 
And there's a lovely picture there of one of their 7.5s. Yeah, I popped up a minute ago, yeah. Uh, it's Matt Shue on there. And um, yeah, this, is, this is an all, all kind of, all posh class. Right, like. yeah. Like I say, you've got to do quite a lot of you have flying to, fly to get your to value get your money for money back, out yeah. of it, haven't you? I mean, it's a... Uh, I mean, there are people out there, it's, you know... Or Nev. You well, probably benefit from this right, money, yes, all absolutely. the flying that Nev does. <laughs> yeah, I don't do as much flying now as I used to, I must say. But uh, yeah. that, that, that could be quite useful, though, couldn't it, if you're, if you're doing a lot. That's, well, uh, and if you are going to do it, yeah. do it in style, you know. I, yeah. think, yeah, I think you'd have to work out over the course of a year how many times you'd fly from uh, London, Luton to Par- and Paris, Charles de Gaulle to Newark. Yeah. And then sort of add up the cost over the year and see whether it would come to £25,000. Mm. Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, if, but there are people who are going three, four times a day, aren't they, sometimes? I mean, it's like where they're more or less commuting, aren't they? Depending on um, on 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 what they're requiring to do. Hello, you look distracted. Sorry, I'm just chatting. Yeah. <laughs> Ca- Captain Al is keeping everyone oh, no. everyone thoroughly entertained. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, on behalf in, in of room. everyone in the chat room, I'd like to apologise <laughs> in advance for the no doubt smut that's coming out of his mouth. Oh dear. <laughs> the, the, the chat room needs an 18 rating, I think. When we've Does got it? Al in there, yeah. 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 Well, it's got it's, cer- it's certainly PG and above. If, I mean, yeah. if Pip was in there, it would be well carnage. We, carnage. Yeah, Thank goodness carnage, he's busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so anyway, next next yes, new story. Next story that would be me, would it? It would be you. Yeah, this is on the PR Newswire. Um and that's prnewswire.com. Sorry, P yeah, prnewswire.com. And the headline is The Museum of Flight opens spectacular new aviation pavilion. Seattle, uh, June 23rd, 2016 uh, is when the story was released and the Museum of Flight today previewed previewed its new three-acre aviation pavilion. The nine-story high-roofed outdoor gallery doubles the museum's exhibit space with the the biggest expansion in its 51-year history, establishing a new Seattle landmark and, and one of the world's grand displays of historic aircraft. The pavilion uh, the pavilion exhibit focuses on the dramatic development of large aircraft and commercial airliners from the 1930s to present and includes planes that cannot be seen anywhere else in the world. The pavilion opens daily June 25th with extended summer hours to 8pm. It also offers a cafe and a children's play area with a mini airport terminal underneath, under the wings of the first Boeing 747 jet. Jumbo jet, that's quite good, quite cool. So, um, yeah, probably your best bet with that story is if you take yourself to their website, the actual museum uh, uh, website is www.museumofflight. Uh, no, sorry, yeah, museumofflight.org. So that's www.museumofflight.org. But it's uh, some cracking yeah, the, photos the, the on the museum it's itself. Amazing museum, yeah. Uh, the museum itself is located at King County international airport at the yeah. boeing field uh, in seattle yeah um they've got an average visitor count per year of half a million wow. uh, visitors a year wow. uh it was established in 1965 so it's uh, it's, it's a it's a well-established museum so that sounds like it needs to be on my bucket list then yeah and uh just looking at the pictures online here of the, mm. of the museum it uh, looks like a fantastic museum mm. with some uh, very very quite nice exhibits in yeah, there absolutely mm. well, that's good so next story, moving on, and that is all for me. Is it? Oh, is that me? Or it no, should it's be Nev. Nev. Oh, yeah, good, yeah. I'm glad it's Nev. Yeah. 
Yeah. There we go, why, Nev. Why did you give this story to me? Oh. <laughs> He's like that. I, I ask that question I'm, every I'm time I end up with another Ryanair story. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next story well, is all yours, Nev. <laughs> yeah, thanks, lads. Uh, well, uh, this is from the uh, the mirror.co.uk website. Uh, oh, another quality my, uh, rag uh, then. Yeah. I was going to say, I get all my high quality news. Absolutely, from that. yes. Yeah. And uh, it's about Brexit, isn't it? And the question is, how will Brexit affect cheap flights to Europe? Mm. And it's not all doom and gloom. Well, that's something, isn't it? That's so, comforting, yeah. Um, it says that these days it can be cheaper to fly to Berlin than catch a train from London to Manchester. But, but with Brexit now set in stone, what's the future for our bargain flights to Europe? Uh, and on the eve of the uh, big vote, uh, the budget airline Ryanair launched a massive 24-hour sale with seats as cheap as £9.99 wow. to celebrate the EU referendum. Meanwhile, in the seven days uh, in the run-up to the big vote, British Airways, Monarch Airlines and Flybe launched rock-bottom sales with Thompson as low as £29 returned to Spain. <gasps> My goodness me. This morning, Ryanair still has the <coughs> host of reduced tickets up for grabs, as do Thompson and Monarch. But with Brexit now official, are prices set to spike permanently? Um, uh, and, well, the leading low-cost airlines, EasyJet and Ryanair, say that their bargain flights to Europe are owed very much to the EU after it, after it liberalised the skies 20 years ago by creating the single aviation area. Since 2006, this has, great, uh, this has great, created greater freedom for airlines to fly across Europe, as well as offering more opportunity for cross-border investment by European airlines. Brexit could mean renegotiation of these agreements, and if comp uh, competition is reduced, fares could increase. Uh, EasyJet's founder, Sir Stelios, uh, also previously warned that Brexit may lead to greater restrictions on airlines as competition drops. He said, it is very possible that in a post-Brexit Europe, a more restrictive aviation environment would mean fewer flights from the UK to Europe and hence less competition between airlines. That in turn would mean higher airfares so that the price of a family holiday to the Med would go up again to levels last seen in the 1980s. Mm. See, um, I, I'm not sure I believe this, if I'm honest. I, 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 genuinely, I genuinely don't think that in the long term it's going to it's going to make a huge difference to the overall outcome because they'll still want to sell flights. We're still going to want to go to Europe as much as we do now. I, I just, I mean, the, the only thing that, I, that, that may be a bit volatile, I mean, I'm not an expert on, on Europe. I've been fo following the coverage massively over the last few days especially. Um, but, I mean, the only major hiccup in, in all of this is that we've, we've got to accept, obviously, that the fuel price is going to go through the roof. Uh, I think maybe only initially, but I think initially there's well, gonna, you know, uh, not not necessarily no? because uh, they don't forget the airlines uh, hedge all the the, the fuel uh, sometimes years in advance. So the, uh, the the fuel that's pumped into our aircraft today was actually bought uh, a year or two years ago, possibly. So yeah, um, I, and, but of course all these uh, stories that are coming out, nobody actually knows. Uh, no. a, a, a nation has never 
left the European Union. So no. uh, anyone that's claiming uh, facts here uh, is, is probably slightly short of the mark. I yeah, they don't, don't, don't really know what they're, you know, I, I guess we just don't know. That's that's the long and the short of it. We've got mm. no idea um, what, what this is going to mean for us. I mean, I, I just hope that uh, it won't make a massive difference to... Uh, I, I honestly can't see it making a massive difference to the likes of Ryanair and EasyJet. And I know, for example, in, Sir, Sir Stelios in, in that story um, was saying, um, you know, you know, sort of saying quite negative things, but then he was, he was um, uh, you know, in the Remain camp, I suppose. So you would expect him to sort of do that. Well, I don't know, it's a tricky one. As I say, I, I don't think it's going to, in the long term, make a massive difference, but my, my concern would be, you know, the fuel... The fuel price is going to going to fluctuate, and that will have a, a massive knock-on effect to everyone. Because I mean, we we don't get most of our fuel from the UK, if you see what I mean. So we yeah. we've got to buy it in. Um, but I don't know all these all these trade agreements and things. Who knows? Who knows what we've got around the corner? Who knows? So uh, have hello. you woken up now? Yeah, Carlos? sorry, yeah. I'm just I'm just uh, <laughs> catching up with the chat room. Right, and okay, uh, glazing over. I think yeah. we've, we've got a new a new new person in the chat room. I haven't oh. seen before, uh, Matt. Hi, hi. Sh- I hope I get guess my Matt. Oh. Matt, hi, Shenny. Right. Okay. In the chat Danger. room is a Danger. Bit, I Don't know where you are, Matt. Uh, but uh, give us a shout. Do, in let the, in, in, do let us know where you are in the world because we like to know where everyone is in the world, don't we? Apart from so, Captain yes, Al. Yes, we do. Yeah, actually, Captain, <laughs> Captain Al was just saying. Also, we bar fuel as well. Uh, Fill the thing up in Mad yesterday. Madrid. Uh, uh, right. Okay. And it flew to BCN. Where's BCN? Bacon. Bacon. Where's bacon? <laughs> No, I'm Barcelona. Bacon. <laughs> Barcelona. Thank you very much. <laughs> you see, it's, it's, Sorry, it's, the, it's the voice of calm and reason in the background there. Thank you, Nev. Because <laughs> you, you were talking about Captain Al, so obviously yes. I assumed that he said uh, bacon. He was going to be food related. Yes, yeah. no, that's fair enough. Yes, absolutely. That's a fair, a fair assumption. Uh, 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 Beckles will be visited this year. Excellent. Yeah, Good. yeah. Captain Al's coming to see us here. At, awesome. Uh, at, Excellent. Uh, at our airfield. Yeah. So I've, I have uh, warned uh, Stuart and Chan at the three cooks yeah. to, um, maybe, to prepare maybe we, themselves. Maybe if we could sort of coincide with Nev's visit we could have yeah a, that would be yeah, good yeah we, could, we should do that yeah, yeah definitely. we'll coincide Nev's visit with with yeah, ours this year sounds, yeah sounds like a plan so moving on the next new, uh, yes, little, that would be new story this time. Uh, is on the Reuters website uh-huh. uh, Reuters.com and Southwest Airlines to postpone delivery of 67 Boeing jets oh dear so Southwest Airlines uh, will push back delivery of 67 Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft by up to six years, delaying $1.9 billion of spending, uh, the airline said on Thursday. The budget airline said that it postponed the deliveries to the 2023-25 time frame to manage its capital spending. That's never a good sign, is it? (laughs) Uh, It also said an investor presentation uh, that the review... Uh, the revenue uh, environment remained challenging. Shares of Boeing and Southwest fell after the announcement, which uh, raised concern among investors about how long plane makers such as the Chicago-based plane maker can sustain demand for new jets. Uh, following years of orders that have created sizable production backlog, and Southwest shares retraced uh, much of their losses in later trading, while Boeing was uh, up as part of the broad market rally linked to optimism that Britain would remain in the EU. Well, we didn't. We don't see uh, one airline having an impact on Boeing's current plans for narrow-body production, said RBC Capital Markets uh, analyst Robert Stallard in a research note. However, he said the news was not uh, assuring to investors. Having a well-known, well-run customer like Southwest deferring aircraft is likely to prompt concern that there are others to follow, Stallard said. 
Boeing shares dipped after the news but were up more than 1% at the New York Stock Exchange's close. In a statement, Boeing spokesman said, we, continually, uh, we continue to see healthy demand in the single-aisle market with the next-generation 737s, sold out of positions and the max uh, sold out through to 2021. We were also able to find mutually beneficial ways to sequence the growth of Southwest 737 fleet over the long term. The new schedule does not change Southwest's debut as the first operator of the MAX 8 aircraft next year. Southwest shares fell as much as 5.1% in the afternoon trading, but were only down 1.7% at the close. Dallas-based Southwest earlier said it moved up plans to retire its classic Boeing 737 jets to the third quarter of 2017 from 2018. The move was in part aimed at resolving uncertainty about the US-mandated pilot training for those flying aircraft and their next-generation model, the 737 MAX. Uh, Southwest said uh, on Thursday it would advance six orders for 737-800 aircraft to next year from 2018 to help cover those early retirements. Now, Southwest is, uh, is, is kind of like the, the Ryanair of, of America, really. It's, it's a huge low-cost airline, Southwest, um, with, uh, with an all-Boeing fleet. Um, have, you ever, have you ever flown on Southwest? No. <laughs> No, I haven't actually. Yeah. That's uh, one of the original low-cost carriers, isn't it? And I think mm. that's the uh, uh, airline that uh, Ryanair based their model on. But I've never flown Southwest yet. No. No, no. It's oh. I have. No, I've seen when we were in Vegas, they they were constantly flying in out of really? an airport. Yeah, mm. all the time uh, on my plane spotting mm. kind of um, days. When I was watching our, our, our new listener is from Switzerland. He's from Switzerland. Yeah, oh, greetings uh, from uh, the UK to you in Switzerland. I want to say, Ma Ma I'm, I'm going to pronounce that wrong. Matthias. 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 Ma Matthias. 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 Thank you. Matthias. Oh, Thank you, Nev. Excellent. See, Thank I told you. you that's why we got yep. Nev here. You see. Yes. You see, absolutely. Yes. 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 I, I told you many times I need to be replaced and have somebody else sat here. <laughs> so greetings, Matthias, uh, Indeed, in Switzerland. Yeah. Nice to see you in the chat room. Yeah. Well, welcome. So next uh, news story. Story that will be uh, me. Yes. Oh, it's a bit of a bit of a spacey age type story. Spacey age thing. Oh, lovely. Excellent. So this is Spike Aerospace. He says pressing the wrong button. Uh, SpikeAerospace.com uh, is the website. And the headline is Spike Aerospace Evaluating Engines for Supersonic Jet with Two Major Suppliers. This is good news. Uh, so the story originates from Boston uh, on the 22nd of June. And Spike Aerospace announced today that they are evaluating several possible engine options for the S512 supersonic jet. The company is currently working with two engine manufacturers and is in the early stages of discussion with a third engine supplier. Spike Aerospace and the engine manufacturers are identifying existing, uh, are ident identifying existing engines that can be modified to meet the requirements of the Spike S512 supersonic jet. There are several engines that are very close to what we need for the Spike supersonic jet. As we work with the engine suppliers, we will have a better understanding of which one will meet requirements the best and the modifications that are required, said Spike Aerospace CEO and President Vic Kachoria. I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Uh, as part of the evaluation process, the company will be working with the engine suppliers to explore options for minimizing emissions and engine noise while maximizing fuel efficiency. The studies will also look into the impact of private and commercial operation on the operating costs of the engines. Engine evaluation will likely take six months to a year and will likely result in an announcement of an engine supplier for the jet. Uh, Spike Aerospace is looking for low to medium 
bypass ratio. Um, somebody will have to explain that to me. So they're looking for low to medium bypass ratio engines with approximately 20,000 pounds of sea level thrust. Most modern engines have high BPR uh, to improve efficiency and reduce engine noise near airport communities. For the Spike supersonic jet, modifications to those engines would likely need to be made. Modifying an existing engine is likely to take three to five years compared to development of a new engine, which would take, typically take ten plus years. So that's quite exciting. This Spike S512, yep. uh, is, 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 the role that's been given is, is a kind of supersonic business jet. Mm. And uh, just reading up a bit of the data on the Spike S512, mm. And uh, the aircraft, apparently, according to their website, will not have windows. Okay. Uh, it, this is, you'll love this, Matt. It's, instead, it's going to be lined with tiny cameras sending footage to thin, curved displays lining the interior walls of the fuselage. Depends on what we're going to see. Well, you'll see the outside. I don't want to see the outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, no, 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 no. It's just, it's just like my eyes. Just like I don't want to feel like I'm sitting in nothing. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna cruise at uh, right. about Mach 1.8 maximum speed. This aircraft once, um, but it's, uh, yeah, what an amazing bit of kit that's going to be. Yeah, when it gets, it uh, gets going. So it'll bring back yeah. the uh, supersonic, supersonic uh, yeah. era after, of yeah. course, Concord is, uh, is, is not, yeah. obviously not here I'm anymore. Su- yeah, I'm surprised they're not looking at that engine and ways of modifying that, or is that going to be due to its age? No, I mean, it's on un- some fault. There was talks, I think, weren't there, Nev, that they were going to try and uh, get uh, one of the Concords into taxable condition again? Yes, and the. the um I think the the French were trying to uh, get one back Uh-oh. as well. There's, there's still uh, discussions going on there, I think, as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, oh, I think it's a, a terrible shame that the thing's not flying again. Yeah. And, uh, it was all down to uh, very little to do with the accident, actually, and, and yeah. mostly to do with the, the politics uh, surrounding it. Uh, very true. Uh, I, I, I have to say, I feel very sorry for... Uh, what did we say? Matthias? Matthias. Matthias. I feel very sorry for Matthias in the chat room at the moment. He's being barraged with questions. <laughs> <laughs> from our from our regular uh, listeners, bless him. So it's, yes, yeah. But he's, yeah, he's new to the chat room apparently. But yeah. he often listens to the show. So uh, oh, thank you. My commiserations you. to you, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, for the last uh, uh, story in the segment for this week, we've got a top ten. Or the, the, the it's actually the ten worst airports for summer travel. Now okay. these are based all based in the US. We thought we'd give our uh, friends across uh, give them a drumming Bond, instead. A drumming instead. <laughs> uh, apart from the US. Is that a good uh, idea when they're all coming over very shortly? <laughs> no, no. Well, I think I think uh, uh, Captain Jeff and, and Dr. Steph and Miami right. Rick and okay. will 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 enjoy this story. But right. it's um it's it's a, it's the 10 worst airports to travel from in the US uh, this summer. So uh, the story then, this is on the time.com website, and it says uh, an estimated 231 million people will fly in the U.S. this summer. Uh, This summer is estimated to be the busiest flying season ever, according to the trade group Airlines for America, which anticipates 4% more passengers Mm -hmm. will fly than last summer. Oh, hello, Nev. (laughs) Uh, Many... Many of the I two. I thought I turned the volume down. No, no. no. <laughs> Better out than in. That's what Indeed, you yes. Many of the 231 million passengers expected to fly will face light delays and cancellations, uh, long security and customs lines, and mediocre food as they wait Ooh, in yay. Gotta love, Gotta love mediocre food. Hey, Captain Al. Now, Nerd Wallet. <laughs> God, there's not enough food in there for Al. Nerd Wallet analyzed recent data from the federal government in 
in a crowdsourced app, uh, travel app and Yelp to find which airports are most likely to make your flying experience more miserable this summer. Uh, factoring in flight delays, security and customs wait times and dining options. Uh, for the detailed methodology and the com uh, completed list of words, you can click on the link on the website here uh, to find out more about that. I have to confess, if, if, if all the rumours about Captain Al's eating habits are as, as true as they appear to be, how is it that he remains to have his sort of what I'd like to refer to as Athletic raci physique. racing snake figure? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how, how that's a possible. I think given, Al given balances the... it up with alcohol. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's not famous. For... What? So, <laughs> starting off our, our, our Ten, run down to the ten worst there. Indeed. Then, okay. Fly. Starting at number ten. So I'll kick off then. But we let Nev go off. Yeah. So right, number ten. It's uh, LAX, Los Angeles mm. International Airport. Number nine. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. I do read the script. Uh, yeah. Miami International Airport. Number eight. It's Chicago Midway International Airport. Number seven. Washington Dulles International Airport. Number six is Philadelphia International Airport. At number five. Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Okay, I don't know any of these airports. I've, I've heard of this one. Number four is JFK, John F. Kennedy International Airport. Excellent. Number three. Chicago O'Hare International. Number two is LaGuardia in Airport. Oh, now, where's LaGuardia? that? LaGuardia Airport. Oh. One of the uh, New York airports. Oh, okay, all right. And then finally, Ooh. the worst airport in the entire UK, US, <laughs> US. state. <laughs> Newark Liberty International Airport, and that's one of the other uh, three uh, main New York airports. Hmm. Well, so there we good. go. For yes. those I mean, who are... the story's talking about hideous flight delays and all sorts here, actually. are just skimming through it. I mean, it's just like, like right in summer 2015, um, uh, New York's JFK, it was talking about there, it was actually saying that um, a, a standard delay going through customs uh, and security was uh, over 50 minutes, 55-minute delays at customs and all sorts. I mean, it's crazy. The really. biggest problem uh, I've always found with the US airports is that if you've got a connected flight mm. uh, so when I flew to New Orleans years ago I had to go through um, uh, Washington but you have to collect your bags uh, and identify them and recheck them through to your next destination so that takes a lot of time uh, including the queues as well so uh, <laughs> unlike in in the European region mainly you mm. can check your bag through to the final destination you, and you never see it again until you pick it up at the other end yeah i have to say captain al is disagreeing strongly with uh, with with the uh, with the top 10 yeah, Al has, uh, Al has put uh, in the chat room, um, me, me, mediocre, uh, mediocrity should never apply to food. Right. He's put, uh, but they all had McDonald's, so, so the survey so, so was wrong. He's completely wrong. Well, that's fair enough, isn't it? And, and that's, what, that's what we like about our listeners in the chat room. You know, you can yeah. always rely on concise and accurate comment. <laughs> oh, dear, I don't know. Anyway, on so that, that brings, bombshell. <laughs> that brings the commercial segment of the show to a close. Uh, we've does. got some military news yep. uh, coming up after this. Uh, yes, but uh, we're just going to take a very, very quick break. We'll be right back after these short messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. We are back. Yes, so, we are. Very exciting. Um, uh, we're, we're now going to play you, uh, obviously, the legend that is Pilot Pip. Uh, and uh, as you would expect uh, for nothing nothing else but from the legend that is Pilot Pip, it is very topical, it has to be said. And it's not really, as he says at the start, it's not really a, uh, all about uh, plane safety. It's more of a bit of a whinge in a moment. Oh, so brace Lord. yourself, ladies Here and gentlemen. Go. Carlos is going to really love this. Here we go. So it is time for the legend that is Pilot Pip. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Plane safety from the flight deck? Well, no, not today. Today is plane moaning and whinging from the flight deck. And I'm talking about Brexit. I know Carlos is probably rolling his eyes, but this stuff's important. Uh, And on a personal note, I know opinion is very obviously... Uh, divided on this as we've all seen if just in case you're not aware people listening to this that the UK has voted to leave the European Union by uh, something in the order of 51% voting to leave and 49% voting to stay so opinion very obviously almost equally divided but the out vote has just nudged it and on a personal note I'm uh, shocked that uh, we got to this point I really didn't think it would come to this but it looks like we're going to go ahead some point in the next few years and leave the European Union. Now, what the future holds for us all then, no one knows. It could turn out to be a, a great thing. Um, it probably won't, but it could do. But let's have a little think about what this might mean for the aviation industry and those of us employed within it. And of course, I'm going to put a big headline underlined over all of this and saying, I don't know and no one else really knows either but some things that we might want to think about. Well, the airline I work for, SafeJets, like many big airlines across Europe, um, are based in the European mainland, and they have bases and employees here in the UK. Now, what is that going to mean for us? One of the founding principles of the EU is the free movement of people and workers, and, and that goes both ways. That means for me as a Brit and for many other thousands of British pilots that we can freely work for airlines based in Europe. So Ryanair is not a British airline, it's an Irish airline, it's part of the, an EU country, and it employs many British UK pilots based all over Europe. Some of them are here in the UK, many of them are other bases across Europe. EasyJet, although a UK airline, certainly does employ people from other um, countries across Europe and has bases all over Europe. Norwegian has bases in 
London Gatwick, it employs UK pilots. There are many other airlines as well, including my own. Now, what's that going to mean for me? Only time will tell. But I can certainly imagine some of the, the great benefits of working at my airline at SafeJets uh, may well disappear. Now, one of the great draws at SafeJets for me was the ability to live and work anywhere within Europe. So, for instance, if I wanted, and many of my colleagues already do this, I could go and spend my summers down in the south of France, for instance. I don't need visas or anything like that. Or I could go and spend my winters based in Geneva, uh, skiing in the Alps. Basically, I could come and go as I pleased. I could be based at London one week, and then at the drop of a hat, if the fancy took me, I could go and base myself in Madrid the following week. Now... That's not something I've taken advantage of particularly, but it was something that was always there in the back pocket and something I would like to be able to use in the future. But certainly many of my colleagues do do this. They spend their summers somewhere hot and they spend their winters skiing and they can move around free as a bird. Now, what might that look like in a post-Brexit environment? Well, who knows, but I suspect that the ability for British people to move around Europe to live and work where they please will be somewhat or severely even restricted. I can't see that we're going to have that same ability in a couple of years' time. Which is a real shame. At SafeJets, at SafeJets Europe at least, we have something around 700 pilots and fully one-third or more of those are British pilots. Now, SafeJets is a European-based airline that really puts some question marks over our future. Uh, as yet, it's very early days, so I've no idea how the company are going to broach this particular problem of having... Uh, now UK-employed pilots within a European airline. Do we still have the right to work for a European airline? I don't know. For people looking for jobs in the years to come, well, perhaps their options are now going to be severely restricted. Can a British pilot work for Ryanair in the years to come? Could a British pilot go and work for EasyJet based out of Lisbon? Possibly, who knows, but I would think certainly that a British pilot will no longer be able to go and work for the likes of, I don't know, Cargo Lux, for instance, is an airline I was looking at recently, flying 747s out of Luxembourg. One of the job requirements is the ability to live and work freely in Europe. So on a jobs and opportunity front, I think the, the future is, is very much unknown. Who knows what sort of um, treaties and negotiations our politicians are going to be able to come up with. However, possibly there is an upside to all of this. Will the UK remain as part of EASA, the uh, European Aviation Safety Authority, the European regulatory body who we are all signed up to? What is the future for the UK in that? Are we going to come out of EASA and just go back to our uh, reporting directly to our own CAA? I don't know, but perhaps that would have a, a bit of a silver lining. You could certainly very much say that the downfall of general aviation, the uh, hobbyist pilot, has been very much affected by rules and regulations and bureaucracy from uh, the Central European EASA. So perhaps losing that part of the, the industry may well be a good thing. Maybe it's going to free up our GA pilots uh, to be able to operate and fly their aeroplanes how they would wish without this massive web of bureaucracy hanging over them. So, hey, that could be a good thing. Uh, personally, a little bit of a silver lining for this is as an employee of a European-based airline, my contract is in euros, 
and since the pound has fallen on its arse the last couple of days and will probably remain so for quite some months or years to come means my salary's gone up when I convert it into pounds so that's a good thing assuming of course I still have a job in a couple of years time now maybe I'm doom-mongering somewhat there but oh you know what? another thing that just pops into my head is are we going to have some sort of potential cabotage situations now uh, so for instance a British carry or a French carry or a Malaysian carry or whatever couldn't go to let's say the United States and conduct flights within the United States okay couldn't fly on a passenger flight making money on a flight from Texas to New York now are we going to have some problems like that for instance let's have a think we've got plenty of European airlines operating within the UK Ryanair have lots of intra-UK flights they fly from London to Scotland to uh, Glasgow to Edinburgh to Northern Ireland uh, is there now going to be a potential problem with cabotage are we going to allow a European based airline Ryanair obviously is a Euro is a, an Irish airline part of the EU can they now fly internal flights in the UK can EasyJet a UK based airline now fly most of its flights within Europe of course up until now under a European open skies uh, sort of agreement we can uh, fly where and when we wish irrespective of which country we're based in but is all that going to change yeah it probably will in some form or another quite what it's going to look like in two or three years time I really don't know but I somehow feel that we've done ourselves a disservice but above all I just worry now about the the opportunities that my kids are gonna have uh, in 20 years down the road when they're looking to start their first jobs it seems that the future should very much belong to them but this vote a few days ago has been driven it seems at least on the initial uh, exit polls and statistics that the leave vote has been dominated by the older uh, voter 50 years old plus I read a great quote this morning it goes like this the future shouldn't depend on people with their eyes on the past that kind of sums up my feelings so on that dull and gloomy note I'm gonna leave you I'll be back next week with something a bit more upbeat I hope take care everyone and adios arrivederci ciao au revoir That's um, a lot of food for thought there, it has to be said. Um, yeah, it's... Um, well, if you lot, didn't, lot if you didn't know then, yeah. you do now. There's a lot to think about there, mm. isn't there? But yeah, we're not going to sit I think, it, I think it's safe to say we've got some, we've got some interesting... Times ahead. Exciting, yeah. nerve-wracking nerve times ahead. Wow, thanks, Pip. I'm as depressed as hell now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's, uh, let's, uh, um, afternoon, morning, Nev. Yeah. Hello, yes. <laughs> Every, everyone cheer up. There we go. Happy days. Uh, what? Oh, there God. we go. <laughs> We're all happy again now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, shall, shall, we, shall we talk about um, the military blowing some stuff yeah, up? Yeah, let's, let's talk about yeah. the military stuff, shall we? And, and, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and stuff. So, uh, so yeah. we, we are, we are going to do uh, some military news. Yeah. yeah, Captain Al says he's off to slit his wrists as well. That's all good. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Happy days. Shall we? Uh, shall we do this? Yes, let's do this. So uh, we're going to do some military news, and so uh, are you ready? 
co-host? Uh, yes, just about, <laughs> yes. And are you ready, fellow guest co-host? Yes, definitely. Let's go. So our first story on the military segment for this week on Flight Global. And, oh. <coughs> Steady on. Excuse me, that's the coffee coming back there. <laughs> oh. So the uh, headline, can Airbus bear the weight of A400M Atlas? Well, that's a bit worrying. By all rights, the Airbus Defence and Space A400M should be a soar-away success story in both the domestic and export markets. But at the moment, the programme is looking dangerously vulnerable. Given its uh, promised capabilities and the absence of any direct competitor, it slots neatly between the out-of-production Boeing C-17 and Lockheed Martin C-130J. The Atlas stood a very real chance of becoming Europe's Hercules, if you pardon the mixed mythology. In fact, there have been suggestions uh, that uh, the tactical transport <laughs> could be sold to the USA, uh, a holy grail for any European program. However, uh, that prospect currently seems further away than ever. Each time the A400M appears to have got back on track, a fresh crisis erupts. At the moment, the engines, or more specifically the GE Avio-produced power gearbox, uh, are the major causes for concern limiting flying hours between inspections and disrupting uh, delivery flow. Uh, in addition, the manufacturer has only just delivered the first of the tactical capabilities it promised to customers more than two years since the first example was handed over to uh, launch customer France. Of course, every program has its teething troubles and Airbus is hardly alone in this field. But when they become so numerous, it's tempting to wonder if there's some uh, systemic, uh, systemic uh, malice, uh, malice, oh God, my, what is in that coffee, afflicting the aircraft or its production system. Uh, defence procurements that are linked to national par uh, participation in a programme often seem ripe for logistical or manufacturing woe, adding as they do a layer of complexity and additional points of potential failure. What is particularly frustrating is the case of the A400M, that is Airbus, has proved perfectly capable of designing and executing a military aircraft. Take the A330 multi-role tanker transport, for example. Sure, it's based on the mature commercial platform, but it's already assuming the status of market leader. And compare it to, uh, its development hiccups to the travels or trivials being experienced by uh, Boeing on the KC-46, which is based on a similarly proven airliner. Of course, Airbus may yet turn the A400M's fortunes around. Recent progress on delivering tactical capability is a positive step. But until the current engine gearbox deficiencies are addressed, it will remain the source of frustration to its customers and a cash drain on the company. At the moment, Atlas appears to have the weight of the world on its shoulders. Now, this is a shame because well, I mean, I've seen these now at the last uh, couple of years at air shows. Uh, Riot, we saw this at Riot last year uh, doing a display. And, uh, you know, I, I was really impressed with the way the Airbus, um, you know, looked in the air, for mm. one. Uh, and some of the, you know, the, some of the flying display that they'd done. Uh, at the show was was yeah. fantastic seeing this seeing this um, you know aircraft in the air yeah 
but I mean, the gearbox issues that they've got, you know, this is an engine issue. It's not the actual airframe. Right. It's not, the, you know, the, yeah. the avionics and the airframe and, and, and the aircraft itself. Mm. You know, this is an engine. Yeah, but one won't work without the other. I'm well, afraid. exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, me and Pip, as you probably remember, we said before, mm. you know, we got a chance to go on board this aircraft last year at Riyadh. And it, it, it's amazing, you know, the, yeah. it, it's, it's an amazing aircraft to go on board. Mm. Have you had a chance to go on board the, uh, the A400M, Nev? No, I haven't actually, but I did go down to, I think it's, a lot of it's manufactured, uh, is it still in Filton? Um, but uh, I went on a, a company trip down there uh, a few years ago and saw some of the manufacturing and uh, assembly processes. But uh, as Tony uh, S says in the uh, chat room, the, uh, the cockpit's very, very cool. It's a very, very nice environment, but I've not been on one yet, no. So welcome to uh, another new listener in the chat room, another watcher, Fernando Elido. I hope I've pronounced I that right. He, I, think, no, I think I've seen him Have before. Have you seen Fernando before? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, but it's uh, and also, uh, Stuart was just saying, sorry, slightly off topic, um, uh, uh, his cycling event went well. They raised over 33,000 euros, euros uh, for the final oh, well done, Stuart. So well, well done, done to Stuart. Well yeah, done. Well done. Indeed. Anyway, sorry, back to the... So hopefully we'll see. I think the, uh, the 400M is, uh, is definitely going to be at Riyadh again this year. So mm. we'll, we'll be able to see that aircraft yeah, again this year absolutely. then. And uh, hopefully yeah. take you on board this time, Matt. You can yeah, look absolutely. for yourself yeah, definitely. and see what we talk about. Yes. So yeah. Anyway, cool. on to the next story. And this is more of a follow-up, really, from last uh, week. Last week's story, yeah. uh, where obviously, and you probably saw because we posted it on our Facebook feed as well, very, very sad news. that, uh, And I, I think we covered, we were quite gutted, actually, weren't we? Because yeah. obviously with our, our, our American friends coming over, we were really hoping for a full-on good old fact, because you can't beat the Red Arrows, really, can you, for a, for a mm. pretty, proper British display. Um, and uh, gutted that, obviously, they're not going to be able to fly. They're just going to be able to do a fly-past, essentially, and that's all they're going to be able to do at Farnborough, which is very, very sad. I'm sure they'll put a bit of smoke on and everything, but it's not going to be... Uh a show as such uh, but this is on uh, Flight Global again and it is an opinion page so opinion as to why the Red Arrows have put safety first for Farnborough for the first time in living memory and that's what really frightens me in living memory. Next month's Farnborough Air Show will not be able to call on the awe-inspiring aerobatic skills of the pride of the Royal Air Force, the Red Arrows a shining icon of the UK's aerospace prowess the team will be performing only a number of flypasts with types like the uh, de debut, um, is it the debutante F thirty five debutante yes. debutante yes sorry about that uh, the RAF says that its decision stems from an assessment of what is safe sensible and appropriate above a heavily developed town and a large crowd in truth this is an early example of the restrictions that will become widespread following the crash of a vintage Hawker Hunter during last year's Shoreham Air Show eleven people died when the plane came down on a public road adjacent to the site social media was swiftly alive with uh, commentators quick as a hawk in condemning the decision as a knee-jerk reaction prompted by a now overcautious civil aviation authority. These are the UK's best pilots. But bear in mind that service-maintained aerobatic display teams have accidents too. Count the Red Arrows two fatal incidents of 2011, one immediately after a display routine within the last, uh, uh, and within the last several weeks, add aircraft lost by Russian, Swiss and US teams to an already long list. It's a shame that the Red Arrows will have a lower key role at this year's show, but cheer their fly pass and be sure to catch them at any of their almost 100 displays this year where they will still 
be the best. And this is very true. We're, hopefully, uh, given, because of where Riyadh is, obviously, we're hoping that we will see a full display at Riyadh, yeah. obviously. Um, I mean, and, there, and there is talk of them, because, again, people who, who follow the Facebook post, post will notice I posted a story about an air show local to us in Great Yarmouth mm, um, on the coast, that, in yeah. 2017. And, of course, rather like the Lowestoft air show that I know I've mentioned loads they of times. They fly over the sea. They fly over the sea. Yeah, and yeah. so there are no issues, if you like. With they, All right, they might crash into a wind turbine. but uh, That's, that's you know, basically that's, what that's this, this whole issue is around. Yeah, you know, it's all, it's yeah. all basically, you know, they, they don't want to do... These yeah. these quite dramatic and but fabulous air displays over a built-up area, um, yeah. and it, it's unfortunate that they're not going to be able to do this at Farnborough. Yeah. It really is, you know. I, I am yeah. genuinely gutted by the fact that they're not yeah, going to do this way. But yeah. they have. Uh, I know that uh, by following with some of the people at Farnborough who we're in contact with, that they have got some quite interesting fly pass. Uh, you know, ready for for Farnborough. They're right. going to they're going to have the the red arrows flying uh, with the F thirty five, okay, uh, and the A four hundred M. I think they're going to do a fly pass with them all yeah. in formation, which will look which will look yeah, it's, yeah it will it, look good. It isn't the same though. I'm no, sorry. it's not the it same. It isn't the same because they they do some um, they do some amazing yeah. displays, and I'm sure Nev Nev, you've caught you've caught several in your time. I'm sure. Yeah, and I think the thing is with Farnborough now, uh, when I was down there the other week with Stuart. Yes. Aslett, and um, of course, it's so much more built up now than it ever was. There's so yeah, many uh, large businesses, very large residential areas that just weren't there a few years ago. And uh, I, I can understand in a sense they want to be risk averse. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, people are spending a lot of money to go to these air shows. And yeah. uh, it's a real pity that they uh, won't mm. be able to uh, perform their normal display. And, I, and I'm gutted, as, as I said a minute ago, I'm gutted that our American friends aren't going to get to be able yeah, to see, that's, that to quite, see them yeah. in their full glory, because yeah. I really don't think there is a show like it aviation-wise. I, don't, I mm. really don't think. I'm sure the Americans would disagree, but I was hoping to sort of, yeah. you know. It, it's, been a, it's been a sad uh, couple of month, last couple of months, really, for, for uh, aerobatic display mm. teams all around the yeah. world. You know, we've lost mm. a lot of... Um, a few good pilots, you know, in various yeah. um, display teams around the world, including America and Russia yeah. as well. And um, uh, but and that's why I'm so excited about the fact that you know Great Yarmouth have mm. have more or less got the funding in place. Um, you know, they're they're literally just dotting the i's and crossing the t's, and yeah. it looks like in July of 2017, I think there's going to be a big air show in Great Yarmouth, and I I really can't wait. I hope lots of people. The Reds are still going to be displaying at Riyadh though. Yes, with a full crossed. display. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that, that all being well, they haven't. I, I would have thought they'd be announcing it by now if they yeah, weren't, wouldn't they? They, they are. They are. According mm-hmm. to the website, they are going to be doing their proper full display at Riyadh yeah. this year. But but then Riyadh is very much predominantly based mm-hmm. over fields. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, there's a, hell of, a heck of a lot of um, uh, they, rural they're area. They're saying in the chat room here that because Riyadh is obviously on a mil- military base, it's um, not CAA it's regulated. It's not CAA now. Is yeah. that true? Because surely they must have. The, when it comes to involving the general public, surely the rules change there. That, I mean, that's something Pip would be at, right? Yeah, so I, I, am I missing? T- or Captain Al? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Any, any idea, Nev? I don't know, and uh, I think Farnborough was Farnborough a military uh, operational airfield at one stage, and right. there's obviously a lot of civil operations out of it as well. But there's a, a lot of rules regarding mm. uh, the, where the crowd line is and, and, and what you can and can't do. But, and I think that um, as rare as these events are. They just can't afford another moment like no, they had no, at Shaw. I, I and if there's that. anything approaching uh, that again, uh, well, we'll just see a, com- a complete... Um, It'll stop, won't it? There yeah, will be no the, air shows. The whole things will be cancelled. Yeah. So um, I suppose it, 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 on, the, on the one hand, it's a, it's a big shame 
but uh, let's see what what the, what comes out of it, and, and yeah. there may be some revisions okay. of, of the rules later on, possibly. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. So, next story. Moving on, then. Uh, this one's all for you, Nev. Yeah, this is about the um, FAA uh, uh, finalising rules allowing small drones to access uh, U.S. airspace, and the FAA on the twenty-first of June have finalised a new set of regulations to allow small unmanned vehicles, which are UAVs as we know them, uh, weighing less than 24.9 kilos, access after late August to a terrain-hugging pocket of the national airspace. The approval of the newly created Federal Aviation Regulation Part 107 opens airspace under 400 feet or 100 feet below airspace reserved for manned aviation to routine operations for a burgeoning new industry of of drone-based businesses, even as concerns about safety and airspace management liner. I don't understand what that means. Um, With this new rule, we are taking a careful and deliberate approach that balances the need to deploy this new technology with the FAA's mission to protect public safety, says the FAA Minister, Administrator Michael Herter. But this is just our first step. We're already working on additional rules that will expand the range of operations. And this final version of Part 107 includes several deviations from the initial initial draft proposed in February 2015, such as lowering the age for operators by one year to 16 and lowering the maximum altitude from 500 to 400 feet. The approved version of Part 107 also prohibits flying UAVs beyond line of sight at night and over people, although it does allow operators to uh, sorry it allows operators to uh, a process to apply for waivers for these uh, prohibitions. And the National Business Aviation Association greeted the final version of the new rule, saying Part 107 will provide clearly defined operating parameters that commercial UAV users have sought for years. But the lobbying organisation also wants the FAA to approve safety-related uh, updates such as clear guidance on how to notify airports when UAV operators plan to fly in cr- close proximity. The approval of Part 107 replaces an ad hoc waiver process created under Section 333 of an uh, FAA reauthorization bill in 2012. And those so-called Section 333 exemptions require UAV operators to be licensed pilots, but Part 107 eliminates that requirement. And that change concerns the Airline Pilots Association, which is the International Union for uh, Airline Pilots. Uh, ALPA would like to see the FAA take a stronger stance in ensuring that those who uh, commercially pilot small UAVs hold the same certificate as commercially rated pilots. This will assure a standard level of aeronautical knowledge and training across all pilots operating UAVs commercially, the union says. Yes. Yes. It's Interesting times for UAVs, I think, especially yeah. in the States, yeah. where the whole registration mm. thing is uh, obviously in, been. Full I, I can see it coming in here. I, I think I think there's been enough incidents now to to warrant. Um, you know, uh, the, the trouble is, I suppose the ones that are complying are not the ones that are causing the problems in the first place, though. Aren't no, they? I mean, we. Um, I think I think I read an article online not so long ago that, that the the uh, incidences of of uh, UAVs or drones or whatever, um, you know, getting in the way of of. of aircraft has gone down i think i read uh, online um there's not been so many reported in the last month so hopefully mm. that's a good sign i suppose that people yeah, are hopefully you know, yeah. being more uh, being a little bit more savvy, more savvy about, about it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah who knows 
Who knows? So the last story on the military segment this week on the Telegraph uh, website. Sorry, j- j- just update, updating. Oh. Apparently, the um, Riyadh is it, because it's on military thing. The CIA do have no. Oh, because it's on military. It's on a military base. It's on mil- oh, military right, base. Yeah, okay. uh, but I, I just wondered because you've got members of the public involved in mm. in my defence. I, as I say, I don't know enough about this, and perhaps yeah. I should by now. But as I say, because it, because it's the minute you get the public involved, I didn't know whether the, you know the, the Civil Aviation Authority would then have a say. Um, but then, as as somebody else was saying, obviously, insurance company would be the first to shout as to whether what was allowed and and, and things. So uh, yes, anyway, as you were. So on the Telegraph uh, website, telegraph.co.uk, uh, headline, Royal Air Force will have to send F-35 kit back to the US for repairs, even though it, wasn't, uh, even though it was built by a British-owned company. Right. Hmm, worrying. <laughs> so the RAF's new F-35 stealth jets electronics will have to be sent back to the US for repairs for security reasons, even though the gear is made by an offshoot of British defence giant BAE systems. The revelation came as BAE detailed the importance of its US-based electronic warfare, EW, division uh, to the company, with it generating about $1.4 billion, or £950 million, of the group's annual revenue of £17 billion. The EW business uh, produces systems on the aircraft, uh, ships and vehicles that identify threats such as radar and then jams them, uh, for example, by blinding uh, missile guidance systems or preventing detonation commands on roadside bombs. Tom R. Snolt, uh, Chief Operating Officer of BAE Systems Incorporated, the uh, uh, so the U.S. arm of the company uh, said that uh, his uh, business produces the EW system for the advanced F-35 jet, of which Britain is buying 140 of the aircraft. However, U.S. export regulations mean that when uh, the complex electronic systems on the jets need repairs, they will have to go back to the U.S. Uh, Royal Air Force engineers. Uh, who will not be able to fully service the equipment, but uh, even though it was built by a British-owned company, which is a bit, a bit bizarre, really, going back and forth, must cost them a fortune. Mm. Uh, Mr. Ar- Mr. Arsenal said that uh, in the F-35, the EW system will be treated like black boxes. When they need servicing, they will have to be unbolted and sent off and a new one put in. The executive uh, said America International Traffic in Arms Regulations, ITAR, regulations meant that uh, several export customers buy products of which they have no knowledge of the workings of the innards. The F-35 program is an international project with BAE producing around 15% of each jet by value. The scheme is the world's largest ever single defence project with a lifetime value of £620 billion when training and servicing costs are factored in. It's expected to turn out more than 3,000 aircraft worldwide uh, over its 50-year lifespan. About two-thirds of the value of the BAE work, has landed, or which is landed, has comes from building parts for the F-35's airframe at its Sam, Samsley, Samsley, Samsbury site in Lancashire. Probably pronounced that completely wrong. Uh, the remainder comes from the EW system, uh, which is the largest single project for BAE Incorporated. The Arsenal said, uh, Mr. Arsenal said that BAE Incorporated had invested close to $100 million over the past three years in new factories to build EW systems or early warning systems for the F-35 program, which has uh, been beset by delays, cost overruns, and is starting to ramp up its production rate. So the story goes on. There's mm. some, uh, some interesting pictures there. Um, but, uh, no, that's a bit worrying if you can't... Uh, 
detect something that's yeah. uh, a radar that's been or tracking you or something. You've got no uh, defense for yourself, have you? But no. um, obviously, they'll keep stocks of repetitive. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, on, co- on cost them. overruns in the military. That's never happened before. No, no, no. Never happens. no, no. It always goes goes to budget, doesn't it? Surely. Nice little picture <laughs> there, Matt. Put that on the screen. Uh, there. Sorry, yes, certainly. A little picture there of the F thirty five. There, there we there go. There we go. So Britain's got one hundred and forty of these on order. Um, wow. And hopefully, I think uh, I read the list on the Farnborough site. I think they've they should have um, a few of these or one of these there at Farnborough. But I think there's going to be um, four of these right, at Riyadh okay. this year. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I think that, yes. there's four of these at Riyadh this year. So wow. that'd be that'd be nice we'll to see, see these. one or two. It'd be nice to see a real one because yep. uh, a few yeah. a few years back at Farnborough, some mock-ups and things. They but had a, had a sort of plastic one, yeah, me, yeah, which was yeah. a bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so no, what? It'd be nice to see one of those. Wash your mouth out! How dare you? I, I'm g- just going to go back to the topic we were talking about a moment ago. If What's that's that? right now, and, and um, Don Sebastian in the chat room has asked a very interesting question. I think, and he asked the question. So if there's anybody experts out there who might be able to get get us some answers to that, uh, you may not be able to get it by the end of today's show, obviously because it's coming to an end. But please do feel free to email it to us, um, which is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. But Don Sebastian was asking the question, and it's slightly morbid, I know, but. Air shows, military or civil pilots, what's the crash ratio? Does anybody know? No, I just, don't just, know. Just, just, a, just a, I know it's a slightly odd um, sort of thing, but it's quite, quite an interesting... Uh, I wonder what the ratio is, you know, military pilots versus, versus sort of civil aerobatic um, I have pilots. no what idea. What the ratio was, just out, of, just out of morbid curiosity, frankly, for no other reason than that. <laughs> no idea, no idea. No, indeed. So that is where we bring the military news to a close this week. Yeah. And, uh, well, so as we've got Nev here, uh, yeah. another, another reason I brought uh, gave you the call last night, Nev, to get you on was because obviously you've had a, a heck of a lot to do with cool, the yeah. APG meetup that we've got at Farnborough this year. So I thought uh, thought we'd talk, you know you would have a bit of uh, if you've got any more info mm, or, or sure. uh, details is uh, <coughs> for those of you guys in the, the chat meetup, room yeah. uh, and obviously those of you guys listening on the audio uh, podcast who are coming to Farnborough this year, um, kind of what, what they've got to, to look forward to in respect to the meetup. Yes, so the main story is that we have got uh, the main live event and meetup on Saturday the 16th of July, uh, and that is going to be at the uh, Farnham Hogsback Hotel. Um, the, uh, Jeff has very kindly organised a... Um, uh, a room for us, which I've I've wor- wor- been working with him uh, to make sure we can broadcast from there. Cool. But he's also done quite a nice uh, RSVP thing uh, on the app uh, on an app uh, which is called uh, Evite, and you can get right. an app for your phone for that, and you can log in and sign in. And so far, just looking at it at the moment, we have uh, twenty six people confirmed, Fantastic. plus plus wow. three maybes. Um, Any of those twenty six people in the chat room? Give us a wave. I, I, I think we'll probably have a, a lot more than that by the time we finish, yeah, actually. Okay, so that's, um, that's very exciting. Uh, that's, no, no pressure, then. <laughs> no, no. So it's, it's got to work, isn't it, really? So no, yeah. no technical funnies. No, uh, we, we have much to talk about, I think, Nev, when, when the show finishes, it has yes, to be said. Yes, we'll, just we'll make, do that. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to pop down to the hotel again next week just to finalise some, uh, some details and check some internet and, and yeah. what have you. So that's going to be on the Saturday the 16th, uh, mm-hmm. which will be starting at 5 o'clock. And as I may have mentioned to a few people... Because it's the United Kingdom, it will be starting on time. <laughs> um, and yes. then we'll have a general meet-up uh, after Afterwards, that. So we're going to do a show live um, that's, that's, yeah. that's 5, 5 p.m. UK time. That's 4 p.m. UTC. 
because um, it's British summertime here at the moment, which is why it's yes. differing from GMT. So it's uh, we're looking at 4 p.m. UTC for anyone who's listening around the world. That will hopefully give you an idea about what we're going to do. We're going to do it. We're, we're not involved directly in the show. We're supplying technical equipment. I think that's the safest way to, to, yeah. to sort of say it. We're, we're, we're going to we're hopefully facilitate the guys in achieving something that yeah. I don't think they've done before, actually. So it's going to be very exciting to have a proper live audience. The, the TriStar van is going to be, yeah, it's going to be rather loaded, loaded to the nines. Yes. With, um, with with electrical and cabling equipment, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, very exciting. So, what's what's the well, the venue itself then, uh, Nev? Is, is it quite nice inside? It is, yeah, we, we've got a, uh, a special room put aside for us. It's the what they call the ballroom, oh, and uh, it will <laughs> ease, uh, easily take uh, fifty to sixty people right, without good. much trouble. Okay, I wouldn't cool. have thought. And there's uh, plenty of room for uh, equipment. There's also a uh, projector and screen, so that may oh, okay, offer, so offer some offer us some visual possibilities okay. uh, and we'll yeah. have a think about that later on yeah possibly. we will we'll have a chat yes uh, but um so that's that um and uh, that's all booked and ready to go and um really looking forward to it and uh, yeah, it's very, very easy to get to plenty of parking there and it's within about three and a half miles of the local station so it's not not too oh, not far. far from the train station either from, no from that's Farnham. good yeah. Yeah. No, excellent. Well, this is all very exciting. Oh, hello. The chat room's obviously going crazy, is it? I, I, I just need to put uh, Captain Al in his place. Oh, um, the the van is always going to be the TriStar van, <laughs> and not the Airbus van. How rude. Um, yeah. <laughs> my van doesn't keep flying into uh, forests all the time. Oh, um, you can't say stuff <clears> like that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, I think it's time, before we get sued by someone <laughs> yeah. who, with, more, with deeper pockets than us, it's time to end yeah. episode... Or 118. Don't oh, forget. Really? I know, I'm sorry. I know we're all having such a lovely time, and I, I you know, I'm a killjoy. I know. By the plus side, I've got to go on holiday. You've tomorrow. got to go on holiday. Yay! Absolutely. So, to get in touch with the show, it's all the usual channels www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, you will find uh, on Facebook, we're facebook.com forward splash. Forward splash? Forward splash. Forward slash Plain Talking UK. And our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. Uh, <laughs> our email address, uh, if you so wish to write to us, please do write to us. We don't mind any kind of feedback, good or bad. Um, helps to put us in our place every now and again, doesn't it, everyone? Uh, it is um, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. I think you do that every week now. Yeah, forward splash. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to call it from now on. It's going to be a forward splash from oh, now on. Oh dear! Yeah. And uh, and and for for our guest host uh, today, thank you ever so much, Nev, for coming on the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, 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 pleasure, guys. Very nice to see you again, and uh, thanks for inviting me on. Always a pleasure, Nev. You're so welcome. So, where, where can people on on the uh, on the uh, media type things? Say, where can they find you, Nev? If they want to find uh, you. Best thing's probably Twitter, Twitter uh, yeah. which is uh, at Neville Bounds, N E V I L Bounds, B O U N D S. That's where I spend cool. uh, probably far too much of my <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all a little guilty of that. It yes, has to be said. Yeah, but, yeah, I must say, actually, sl- slightly off topic, I-, I nicked one of your tweets as we're talking about Twitter. I nicked one of your tweets. Um, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Mm, um, yeah. Because obviously we had all this, going back to the Brexit thing. I'm sorry, everyone. Who's, oh, stop it! Um, but it was uh, it was absolutely classic. What, what was it? Fox News, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was oh, absolute, absolutely, absolutely classic, that. classic thing. In the fact that apparently us as the UK, we're not leaving the EU. We're, we're leaving the UN, UN. apparently, which <laughs> yeah. was fantastic reporting. On as I say, when I saw, when I saw, I thought, I, I, yes, Nev will be very much enjoying that. It has yeah. to be that said. made my day when I saw that tweet. <laughs> Just like oh dear, yeah. oh dear. Never mind. You can always rely on the American media to be 100% accurate at all times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So that is where we're going to bring episode 108.
18 to a close. Don't forget to join us uh, next week where I will be on location. He will be on, on location holiday in Malta. In Malta yes, on the lovely absolutely. Mediterranean island of Malta. Yep. Matt will be here, here at uh, PUT, yep. uh, PTUK right. Towers. Yeah. He's already got the keys. I've given him yep. the keys to, uh, to the house and the TriStar van. So he is in yep. charge of everything while we're away here, including <laughs> including the wonderful uh, little the, girl, the, the, yes, Poppy Cat. The Poppy Cat, yeah, yeah no Poppy pressure. Cat yeah. is, uh, is going to be here. Look, probably looking after Matt. I'm, well, I should think so, yeah. She, well, she, she'll, she'll show me around, right? Tell me where everything is, yeah. Yeah, she will. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, so thanks again to everyone in the chat room who's joined us today. It's been a busy chat room It's been today. a very, been great. Bu- very yeah, busy chat lovely. room today. Special thanks to Captain Al for uh, keeping everyone highly amused in the chat room today. I'm going to give a special quick mention as well before we close the show to a couple of listeners who listen to the audio podcast. Uh, Matty Caton, uh, mm-hmm. I know he listens to the show. Uh, hello to you, Matty. Thanks for uh, listening to the show. Yeah, and thanks. also Jason Rowe. Thanks for listening cool. to the show. Jason, I know you. he listens to it as well uh, to, to wind away the hours and when he's working. Right. So well okay. done to you, Jason. <laughs> Indeed. So that's it then. Yeah. From me, Carlos, it is a incredibly sunny... Uh, yeah, it is. But not yeah. quite as sunny as Malta. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. Uh, from me, Matt, uh, here, yes, it is. Uh, it's time to bring 118 to a close. Next week's going to be very exciting. I'm going to be in the studio all on my own. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the Skype link will stay up and I won't Jeez. be... Well, it was thunderstorms, wasn't it, last time? That's, yeah. what, that's what ruined it. And from the legend that is Nev. Yeah, cheers, guys. Have a nice weekend, everybody. Take care. Indeed. From all of us here in the studio, it is goodbye. Thank you.